We began last week talking to you on this subject of teach us to pray. So would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter. And as you're doing that, let me greet the campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm thankful that you're with us today. We're believing that you've already received uh, from a time of worship and praise there in your local assembly, but now as we go into the Word of the Lord, that God is going to speak to you by His Word today. We began last week talking on this subject of prayer. How many of you believe prayer is vitally important for a believer? I don't think that that's anything that any Christian would argue about. I think every, every Christian that you were to come across and say, hey, what about prayer? What do you think about prayer? They would say, oh, prayer is vital. Prayer is something that every Christian ought to be involved in. And yet what we find is recently, a few years ago, George Barna did a survey. And what he found is, is that the average Christian in the average church, if you take out, Lord, bless this food, and now lay me down to sleep, prays less than two minutes on average a day. Now, what does that scripture mean if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and then I will heal their land. And so what we've got to come to an understanding of is that the reason that most Christians don't pray is not because they don't have a desire to pray, but they have never learned how to pray. And so the disciples experienced that same thing in the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 9. It says that they came to Jesus and they asked him, Lord, teach us, as John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray, teach us to pray. And here's what Jesus said, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody knows the last word. Amen, right? Now, all of us know this passage. We know this scripture. We probably have repeated that prayer on many occasions. But it's not just to repeat the prayer. When Jesus taught his disciples, what you have to understand is in the culture of that day, when a rabbi would teach his disciples, he would give them an overview of what he was going to talk about, and then he would break it down so that they would understand what he's talking about. So Jesus is not telling us, hey, guys, take this prayer and just repeat it. If you want to pray, then just go, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and we know all that. But what he is doing is, is that he is giving us some specific things that we need to be praying about. Last week, we started talking about the first part of the prayer, that each and every aspect of the prayer is kind of like if, if you're on a cross-country run, and, and you know that when you get a certain point of that run, that you've gone an eighth of the way, you get a certain further, uh, you've gone half of the way, you've gone two-thirds of the way, whatever, and, and it's kind of like demarcation lines through this prayer. And so this prayer can enable you. In fact, at another place, Jesus came to his disciples, and he said, to them could you not tarry with me one hour in other words could you not pray for an hour and it's interesting if the church in America were asked that today the resounding answer would be no we can't because we run out after about five minutes 
And the reason is, is because we don't understand how to structure our prayer time and to move into it. And so last week we began this process. We talked last week uh, about where it talks about, uh, it starts off, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we talked last week about how that you enter into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus Christ and how that you need to be thankful for the blood. And we talked about those aspects of it. And then it talks about hallowing the name of the Lord. And we talked about that there are eight compound names of Jehovah in the Old Testament. There's Jehovah Sidkenu. There's Jehovah Makedesh, which means our, he's our righteousness and our sanctification. There's Jehovah Nissi, which means he's our banner. And I'm not going to go through all eight this morning. But each of those had a specific area uh, that we were to thank God for. Lord, we're thankful that you have forgiven us for our sins. We're thankful that you have filled us with your spirit. We're thankful, God, uh, that we have been given health and we can walk in that health. We're thankful that you are our provider. And and we went through all of that last week. And so that's just in the very opening of this. And then then the next part of that, after he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The next part of that is verse 10. He says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. How many of you believe, let me ask this question. How many of you believe that the will of God is being done in heaven? If you don't believe the will of God's being done in heaven, just talk to the devil about it. He, he tried to kind of usurp authority, and God said, no, nope, you're out of here. You and a third of the angels, you're gone in, in one fell swoop. Why? Because they were trying to come against the will of God. So the will of God is being done in the heavenlies. And yet Jesus said, here's what you need to do. You need to pray, your kingdom come. Well, what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is his presence. Uh, it's, it's the manifestation of Jesus living in our heart and the kingdom of God being manifested. Uh, another way to say it is this, and I think this can help you hopefully. When, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're not talking about going to heaven. Amen? When, we, when he says pray, kingdom of God come, will of God be done, He is telling us, look, here's what you're to be praying. The kingdom of God, listen carefully. If you're taking notes, write this down. The kingdom of God is God's way of doing things. Every kingdom has protocol. Every kingdom operates in a certain way. God's kingdom operates in a certain way. And you and I are given the right to say, Lord, we want your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. That's what we're believing for, is that the kingdom of God is going to be made manifest upon this earth. Now, I want to tell you what. There are a lot of people who are preaching doom and gloom. There are a lot of people who are telling you about how horrible the world is and how you better get ready and you better dig a bunker and you better stock it with all kind of food and you better get you, you know, a few AK-47s and you better, Right? And, and some of you may be into that. God bless you. Have fun. I, I, I just believe that Jesus Christ and his church are greater than anything that's going to happen on this earth. Jesus asked his disciples before he left, he said, when the Son of Man returns, shall he find faith on the earth? And I think the resounding answer to that is yes, he is coming back for a bride without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. And so we've got to learn to, to pray in the kingdom. The Bible 
Bible says that Jesus has ascended upon high. He has sat down at the right hand of the Father, waiting until his enemies be made his what? Footstool. How are the enemies of God being made Jesus' footstool? Here's how. It is being done through us, through believers, bringing the kingdom of God the way that God does things to this earth. Wow. If we would begin to operate the way God operates, we would begin to bring down the kingdom of heaven and we would begin to see it happen. Remember the first thing that Jesus preached when he showed up and began his ministry? Uh, Jesus preached this. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. He talked about it time and time again. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand or for the kingdom of heaven has come. He said it time and time again. What was he saying? Remember that word repent doesn't mean to be sorry. That word repent means to change your mind. So he was saying change your mind. Change the way that you're doing things because the kingdom of God has already come. And then he told his disciples, guys, when you pray, establish God's kingdom. Now, now you've been given that right. You've been given that authority in your prayer time. If I'm going to say some things today that may kind of ruffle you, so it'll be okay, all right? All right. If your life is in a mess, if, if all hell is breaking loose in your life and, and you, you don't have any control and it's like it's always upside down and you just go, man, I don't know why nothing good ever happens in my life. I don't know why we're always going through a tough time. I don't know why we're always having this, that, or the other happen. It could be. Just think about this. It could be because you are not establishing God's kingdom daily in your life. You say, well, wait a minute, I got saved, and so because I got saved means that, that I'm ready to go to heaven. That's exactly right. But how many of you know you're not there yet? Right? I, I don't know where you've been living. But if you're living, you know, anywhere under the sound of my voice, you're not in heaven yet. And, and so we, we've got to come to that place where we understand that you and I have been given the authority through the name of Jesus, the Bible says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we have been given that authority. Uh, when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we've been given the authority of the name of Jesus to establish the kingdom of God. How many of you believe that everywhere that Jesus went, he established the kingdom of God? Right? I mean, when, when Jesus showed up, the kingdom of God showed up. Do, do you remember the time where Jesus is on this, on this journey with his disciples? And the Bible says is that he saw a fig tree. And, and it, the scripture says something interesting. It says, and it was not the season for figs. And the scripture says, but Jesus went to the fig tree, and he looked at the fig tree, and he, he was looking for figs. It didn't have any. And the Bible says that Jesus, now some of you won't agree with my theology here, but hang on. In, in just a moment of, of quick anger, said, never again shall anyone eat from you, and walked off. The next day they come back by, the Bible says. Now, you, you, some of you say, I don't believe Jesus ever got angry. Really? Have you read the Bible? I mean, at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry, he plats a whip and goes into the temple and he cleans it out twice. 
In fact, the scripture says, be angry and sin not. You can be angry and not sin. Now, most of us have trouble with that. But Jesus didn't. I, I think it's just in a moment, you know, it's kind of like walking in the refrigerator and it's not what you want. You kind of slam the door and say, there ain't nothing in this house to eat. Right? And I think it was just one of those things. Jesus just said, nothing ever is going to come off you again. And he walks away. The next day, the scripture says they come back and the disciples are astonished. Because the, the Bible says this tree has withered from the roots up. It's dead. And they are marveling. And they said, Lord, you know, you just kind of in passing yesterday, just in a moment of, of, you know, of not getting what you wanted, said this thing ought to die. How can we have this? And Jesus looked at them and said, you, if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the depths of the sea, and if you don't doubt, it will come to pass. Now, what is Jesus showing there? Is he just talking? Is that just good verbiage? Is that just good, uh, you know, analogy to say, oh, it's great to have faith? Or is Jesus showing us how that we are to live in the kingdom of God? I believe with all my heart, he is showing us how to establish the kingdom of God. Now, let me give you four areas you need to establish the kingdom of God in when you pray. All right? The number one, I think you have to start here in, in every one of our lives, is you need to establish the kingdom of God in yourself. All right? In you, you need to establish God's kingdom inside of you. You say, well, pastor, how do I do that? Well, remember, we've gone through the first part of the prayer where we've adored him, we've talked to him, we've thanked him. Now we're at that point of saying, Lord, today I come to you and I ask you to establish your kingdom in my life. I'm coming today, God, and I'm saying, Lord, I want to be right before you. How many of you know that as you live life, it's kind of easy to get off the path, right? But daily, if you'll just come into the presence of God and say, Lord, today I want you to establish your priorities. I want you today to, in in sense, maybe even do it this way. I, I sometimes will just close my eyes and I'll picture a throne in my heart. And I'll just say, God, today I want you to sit upon the throne of my heart. And, and I may just hang there for a while until I believe it's happened. That, that, Lord, I'm just coming to you today, and I'm asking you to be the ruler of my life. For you not just to be my Savior, but for you to truly be my Lord. And, and you know what? A lot of us have received him as Savior. But how often do we allow him to be Lord? That means he's in charge. That means when he tells you to do good to somebody you don't like, that you do it. That means when he tells you to be kind to somebody you don't want to be kind to, you just do it. You don't sit and argue with him for 30 minutes. Well, now, Lord, if you only knew, if you did this person and... Come on, God, if you know how they are and you know if I'm good to them, they're just going to run over me and they're going to take advantage of me, Right? Or you can just say, wait a minute, if you tell me to do this, then I am going to declare today that you are the Lord of my life. I want you to rule today, and I'm going to be listening for your voice. How many of you know God speaks to your, to your life? Day in and day out, God's speaking. Now, our problem is, is that our receiver isn't tuned in to hear what he's saying. Amen. How many of you know that right now, whether you're in this room with me or you're watching, that, that there are all kinds of signals going through the room? And I'm not talking about what one guy looks at a gal at. 
All right? There are signals in this room. If you've got the right kind of receiver, you can pick up television signals. You can pick up radio signals. I guess you could pick up CB signals. You could pick up telephone signals. They are all in the atmosphere right now. We don't see them, but they are there. In the same way, God is speaking all the time. God is talking. Our problem is, is that we haven't tuned in to the right channel. Most of us, can I say this to you? Most of us can hear the devil a whole lot better than we can hear God. We have learned how to listen to the enemy. Instead of saying, wait a minute, I am going to ask God to speak into my life. And so today I'm coming and I'm saying, God, today I want you to establish your righteousness, your peace, your power in my life. Here's what I'm saying. When you are at this point of the prayer, you are saying, God, I want to establish your priorities in my life. It's what Jesus did in the garden. Remember in the garden when Jesus prayed, not my will, right? but your will be done. That's, that's what we're doing. And so at that moment, I'm establishing the priorities of God. And then I begin to pray about the concerns for the day. You know what? If you've got a big meeting, you've got something planned at work, or, or there's something going on in your family, that you begin to, to pray about those. You know why? Because God is concerned about every need of your life. And so you're establishing, Lord, I come today and I establish the kingdom of God. Before I go into this business meeting today, before I ever get there, I'm saying that it is going to be under the dimension of the Holy Spirit today and that you are going to guide it. I wonder what would happen if before we went into that meeting, before we went into that situation, that we would establish the kingdom of God and then when we got there, I wonder how much better that meeting would go. I wonder how much more I would learn. To those of you who are students, those of you who are in college or high school, but before you go in that day, just say, Lord, today I just establish your authority in my life. I establish your abilities in my life that today I'm going to be able to learn. I'm going to be able to receive the knowledge that I need. And as I come into this classroom today, that, it, that I am going to already have established the kingdom of God and the will of God. See, that's what it means when we establish God's kingdom. And, and we just ask the Lord, Lord, today, I ask you to empower me with your abilities. I ask you to give me efficiency, to let me have your might today. And, and we just pray these things. And as you do that, what you're doing is, is that you are establishing God's kingdom in your life. And, and so that's where you start. That's the base of where you start is you start in yourself. Lord, today, I want the kingdom of God established in me. The second place that you establish the kingdom of God is in your family. I wonder what would happen to us if we would begin to establish the kingdom of God in our homes. Man, it's always tough in this house. There's always fighting. There's always World War III. There's always trouble. There's always difficulty. I don't know why we can't get along. I don't know why our kids don't behave. I don't know why we always have problems. I don't know. Instead of us always giving into that, why don't we come in the beginning of the day just say, Lord, today I'm establishing your authority, your kingdom, your righteousness in my family. And if you're married, you pray for your mate. Lord, I, I ask today that your righteousness and kingdom and glory be established in my mate. And, and you begin to pray. If you know something that's happening, you know something's going to be going on in their life, you start praying specifically for them. If you have children, I, how many of you know children are the most wonderful things in the world, but they can be the most trying things in the world? 
right? And, and so you, you have to, oh, I got this, oh, wow, thank you, Jesus, but, right? And, and so you, you, begin, you begin to pray and you begin to, to, to come into that, that area of whatever's happening in their life, whatever's taking place, that, that you are establishing the righteousness and the kingdom and the glory of God over their life. And you take time. And again, some, there, there's, this, there's not a set pattern here. I'm not saying, okay, for three minutes you pray for your mate. For two minutes you pray for your children. For eight minutes you pray. No, we're saying that this ebbs and flows. There may be a time in your life where you just say, God, today I, you know, I pray you bless my family and we're thankful for everything that's going and we're grateful for what's taking place and you move right on. There may be other times that you're in that place of, of, of tough time going through some things that you may spend 10 or 15 minutes just praying over your family and and you know what you do you pray until you get that sense of release does that make sense uh the the old the old saints called it praying through so some of us have forgot what that's like I, I can remember going, now this is old school church. I can remember going, they'd have prayer meetings sometimes, and, and we'd go and we'd say, well, how long are we going to pray? And they'd go, we're going to pray until we pray through. And I just knew that meant we were going to be there. Because they were going to pray until they touched heaven and heaven touched earth. I mean, it was, it was going to be a while. And that might be 15 minutes or that might be three hours. But those old saints just knew how to pray through. And that's what you're doing in this is that you're praying until you have that sense of assurance. You have that sense of knowing that, that God has shown up and that he is taking care of the needs of your, your spouse or of your children, other family members. And, and you, you become real specific. I think one of the things that we do is we pray generic prayers. We need to pray specific prayers. What is it that you want? What is it that you want God to do in this situation? And so you pray over their needs. And, and I think you ought to every day uh, over your family, I think you ought to break every curse of the enemy. Amen. Uh, the, the Word of God lets us know uh, that, that there's the, the iniquity of the fathers are visited to the third and the fourth generation. And another time it says they're visited to a hundred generations. Uh, and, and so I think according to the Scripture that you have the right. The Bible says we are the righteous, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The people are daily cursing you and don't even know it. People are saying things over your life. They're never going to amount to anything. They're never going to have anything. They're nothing but a loser. They're saying this, and they don't know that they're cursing you, but the Word of God says that what comes out of the tongue is powerful. What you speak is powerful. And so you need to come to that place, I think, daily that you pray, Lord, today I pray that every curse that's been spoken or that would come through the lineage, that today it is broken in the name of Jesus, and I declare righteousness, peace, and joy over our family, and that salvation is going to be in our family, and that we are going to walk in fellowship with you and in the goodness of God day in and day out in our lives. Then the third thing that we pray, over when we're establishing the kingdom of God is that we pray over our church. Every time that you come to, to the house of God, you need to have already prayed before you get here. Amen? You, you, sometimes we, we come in and it's just like, and then sometimes, you know, the poor praise and worship team, it's, it's like drilling for oil. It's like, come on, can we sing that song one more time? I, I felt a little something. 
There was, there was a movement. Somebody, there was an eyelid that twitched. There was a, come on, maybe if we sing it again, there, you know, there'll be a toe that'll tap. Maybe, you know, somebody will. And, and the difference is, honestly, I believe with all my heart, the difference is, is the amount of prayer that goes in to the service before we get here. And, and so I think daily you need to be establishing the kingdom of God in your local church. I think you need to be praying for your pastor. And since I'm the one who's talking today, I need a lot of prayer. Amen? Uh, just for a lot of reasons, I need prayer. Uh, I won't go into all of them. Uh, but you need to pray that God would anoint your pastor, uh, that he would direct him. Listen, the, the Bible says that if the shepherd is smitten, the sheep scatter. Uh, and I don't, I don't talk about this hardly ever, but I want to tell you, the enemy daily targets pastors because he knows, let me say this carefully, he knows that if he gets somebody in the church, it'll affect a few people. But he knows if he takes a pastor down that he is going to rock hundreds and even thousands of people's lives and he is going to give the, the, the one who has been looking for ammunition to use against the church, he's going to give that person all the ammunition they need. So you need to pray uh, that, that God would anoint your pastor, that he would direct him, that he would give him wisdom, that he would be a channel of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you, you need to pray for that daily. You, you ought to be praying uh, for pastor pastors and, and all the pastoral staff and, and those and their family because, again, they're on the front lines and the enemy loves to take them down. And so you, you, you need to be praying for that. The, the second aspect of praying for the church is you need to pray for all the leadership of the church. All right? Every church has structured leadership in it. And, and again, the enemy loves to try to destroy that. You need to pray for specific leaders. If you're in a, in a particular ministry uh, or you uh, serve in a particular area of the church, you need to pray for the specific people and for their needs that are in that ministry. And day in and day out, you need to believe that God is establishing his kingdom and his righteousness in their life. And you need to say, God, and, and, and I'm not trying to just give you word for word, but I'm just trying to give you some ideas. God, I just pray today that you'll use them, that, that they'll be able to help your kingdom to advance. They'll be able to help the church to move forward and fulfill its destiny. And, and you just pray in that way. And then you need to pray for the faithfulness of the people in the house. Amen? Listen, we live in a very mobile society, and it's wonderful on one hand, but when it comes to the house of God, it can be quite frustrating because the church used to be the center of our existence. Now it is but an appendage to our life. And, and I think that we, we need to, again, as we're praying, Lord, I pray today that Love and Truth Church will have faithful people. They'll be faithful to the vision. They'll be faithful to the church. They'll be faithful to the anointing that you've released in their life. God, I'm just praying. And as you pray that, what you're doing is, is that you are establishing the kingdom of God in their life. And then you need to pray. Are you still with me? Then you need to pray for the harvest. The Word of God says the harvest is white, but the laborers are few. And here's what he tells you to pray about the harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. 
you need to pray every day, God, I ask you today that you would send forth laborers into the harvest field. Now, let me tell you what happens sometimes when you pray that. When you ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest, sometimes he goes, he kind of taps you and says, um, you're, you're, you're one that I want to go into the harvest field. Why? Because he's the Lord of the harvest, but he is sending us into the harvest field. And so you and I need to pray that prayer, and then we need to be receptive to what God's going to, to ask us to do in that. And then fourth, the fourth aspect of establishing the kingdom of God, this is the last one today, is that we need to establish the kingdom of God in our nation. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but a sin, but sin is a reproach to any people. I want to tell you, America is in trouble. And the Republicans can't fix it, and the Democrats can't fix it, and the Independents can't fix it. The only ones that can fix it is the church of the living God who will call upon the Lord, who will seek after Him, and who will believe Him to bring His kingdom to this earth. And, and so we need to pray. We need to pray for those who are in our authority. You need to pray for your president. I don't care if you voted for him. I don't care if you like him. The Bible says to pray for him. Pray that God would visit President Obama in the White House in the middle of the night and give him a vision that would change his life forever. Pray for your congressmen. Pray for your senators. Pray for those who are in authority. Pray for your Supreme Court justices. The Word of God says that we are to pray that. And you are also, let me talk to you just a second, you need to ask forgiveness. I quoted it earlier. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. See, the, the problem is not the world. The problem is the church. If the church will turn to God in the way that God wants us to, we will become salt and light to our world, and we will make a difference, and America will have another great awakening, and there will be another revival that will sweep from the north to the south and from the east to the west. But it's up to the church. So we need to pray. We need to ask forgiveness. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our transgressions. And raise up spiritual leaders. Bring revival to America, God. Amen? Because if America will have revival, America can change the world. We've seen it happen in the past. It's time for it to happen again. And, and so you pray that. You seek God in that dimension. And so in your life, you are daily saying, and again, we're only to the second part of this whole process of praying uh, the Lord's Prayer, okay? So you can see that, that if you can't get at least 30 minutes of prayer time in, you're probably not listening to what I'm saying. And, and, and you're just praying, God, I want you today to, to bring your priorities I want you today to bring your rulership. I want you to bring your authority into every aspect of our lives. We are coming today, and Lord, we're saying, kingdom of God come, will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we do that, we begin to see a transition, a change taking place that begins to manifest first in us, then in our families, then in our churches, and then in our nation. That's how revival always comes. It begins with one.
It begins with somebody who says, I'm not happy with the status quo. I'm not happy with the way things are. And I want to see the kingdom of God come and the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you bow your heads today? As I've talked about the kingdom of God today, maybe you're here and you're not in relationship with this king I've talked about. Maybe you know about him. Maybe you've heard about him. Maybe at one point in time you had a relationship with Jesus. But today you're here and you just say, you know what? Before I can do what you've talked about today, I need to have Jesus Christ become my Lord and Savior. The Bible says if you'll confess your sin, he's just and faithful to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so I never close a Sunday morning service, I don't care what I preach about, without giving people an opportunity to be saved. And so today, if you're here and you want to be saved, would you just hold your hand up and say today, I want Jesus to become my Lord and my Savior. Anywhere in the room, right back here in the back on my right, I see your hand, God bless you. Right here in the middle section on my right, God bless you today. On my left in the back, God bless you. I see your hand. Anybody else, real quick, just say, I want Jesus in my life today. Look up, would you, everybody, just look up here a second. As I always say, raising your hand doesn't save you. What saves you is what the Scripture tells you to do. The book of Acts, the second chapter, says repent. That word means to change your mind. That's what you did today. I want to be saved. Change your mind. Change your direction. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise. What promise? The promise of salvation is to you, to your children, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, I'm going to encourage you to pray. You say, what do I say? You just say, Lord, forgive me today. I ask that the blood of Jesus Christ take away all my sins. I've been a sinner, but today I'm coming back to my Father. I'm coming back in a relationship with you, and I will no longer be the person that I used to be. And you know what? The Bible says that there's rejoicing in the presence of God Almighty when you do that. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you today for every person that lifted their hand in this room. I thank you for men and women that said, I want Jesus in my life today. And so I pray for them right now that you would forgive them of their sins, that you would cleanse them today, that the blood of Jesus Christ would wash away every sin and everything from the past, and that today old things will pass away, and behold, all things will become new. And I just want to say thank you, Jesus, that you save us when we come to you. Thank you that you forgive us, Lord, through the blood of Jesus Christ today. We're grateful for that. And so I just pray right now that as these people begin their journey with you, as they took this first step this morning toward everything that you have for them, that you will use them greatly for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. Would you take that card? You've still got that connection card, everybody in the house. On the back side of that card.